Hello, I am Joe Honey Hockey, and welcome to the Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our heavenly brothers and sisters. The key to growing and thriving in the Catholic life is community. That's one of the motivations behind this very podcast. We need our brothers and sisters, and I am fortunate enough to participate in an absolutely wonderful young adult community here called City on a Hill. And as with just about any Catholic organization, we have patron saints. So, today I'd like to introduce you to one of them. Are you a young adult Catholic, striving every day to grow further in virtue? Are you an outdoorsy person? who might particularly enjoy hiking and mountain climbing? Then may I introduce you to the man St. John Paul II called the Man of the Eight Beatitudes. Meet Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Intro time. Here's a few important facts about our blessed Frassati. Now, to reiterate, as a blessed, it's strongly believed that Pierre Frassati is a resident of heaven. However, there has not yet been a second confirmed miracle and that infallible declaration, which would give him the title of saint. With that said, it is still allowed for us to venerate him with the saints, and though his feast day hasn't made it to the general Roman calendar, we are still welcomed to celebrate it on July 4th. So that's coming up. He is also still recognized as a patron of young Catholics, mountaineers, youth groups, and World Youth Day. It's no surprise then that he's one of the patrons of My Fair City's young adult organization. Let's dive into his story. On April 6th of 1901, in Turin, Italy. That might be familiar because of the Shroud of Turin. Aha. Okay. Alfredo Frassati and Adelaide Ametis had a baby boy. They named him Pierre Giorgio Michelangelo Frassati. Fun fact, that day happened to be Holy Saturday. Well, anyways... His father ran a newspaper called La Stampa, and as such, was plugged into the political climate of the area. So much so that Papa Frassati served as a senator and even became an ambassador to Germany. It's no surprise then that our Pierre was afforded many blessings as a result of his family's status in the community. The Lord blessed Pierre even further by opening his heart to the needs of the less fortunate in the community. From a young age, he acted on charity without so much as a second thought. Stories abound of him giving away articles of clothing, even at a young age. One story I saw on multiple occasions was one where a mother and her young son appeared at the doorstep of the Fursati's home to beg for food. Upon noticing that the son didn't have shoes, Pierre removed his own shoes to give to the boy. Everywhere I found this particular story seems to make it appear, or it, it seems like 
this happened even before his first communion, so he would have been in single-digit age, which is crazy. But speaking of which, speaking of first communion, he received this sacrament on June 19th of 1911, when he was 10 years old. And he ended up entering into the full union of the church through the Sacrament of Confirmation on June 10th of 1915, when he was 14. Ah, tried to keep that one straight. At some point during these years, though, he was granted permission to receive the Eucharist daily, which I didn't realize was something that required special permissions at that time. I mean, this was barely a hundred years ago, and kind of in light of that, uh, I can certainly say that I take for granted the availability of daily communion. So, that might be something I should uh, look at and reconsider. Just look at the effects that this had on his life. He went to Mass every day, he received Christ in the Eucharist every day, and he prayed the Rosary every day. Is it any wonder, then, why his heart was brimming with love for the poor and despondent, the outcasts, and the, the, the people largely ignored? He would give away his allowance. He would give away the money for his own transportation home. And as I said before, he would even give away the clothes off of his back. And he was involved in social groups, Catholic social groups. Uh, one in particular was called Catholic Action, which sought to bring Catholic influences into the secular world. And on May 28th of 1922, he joined the Third Order of St. Dominic, which is a lay order following the rule of St. Dominic. So it's like a lay order of Dominicans. Well, he was so dedicated to evangelizing through charity and encountering the people who might not ordinarily come in contact with uh, the religious ideas or uh, uh, like religious acts, people who don't know God. He was so committed to this that uh, even in his studies, he sought to become a mining engineer so that he could, in his words, serve Christ better among miners. And it almost sounds crazy. Well, I mean, that sounds great, but specifically uh, the calling to serve miners. But there's uh, another facet of his life that, that makes me realize, well, he probably would have felt very much at home with them, uh, given that he was a passionate mountaineer. He loved hiking, he loved climbing, he loved going up into the mountains and spending time in nature. Well, so he ended up going on many excursions into the mountains, bringing friends and using these trips, uh, I would almost say is like mini retreats, it seems, where uh, they would facilitate in very intentional conversation they engaged in discussions about faith and life and, uh, and furthered each other's faith through this fellowship. Now, I've been on a, a few mountain excursions myself with friends, 
And I can definitely say that there is something powerful about spending time in nature, far away from the noises of civilization, that uh, really lends itself to deep spiritual conversation. It could be witnessing the artistic work of the creator in the sweeping landscapes, or witnessing the sheer immensity of the night sky with all its starry inhabitants. But whatever it is, I firmly believe that God very much enjoys using nature to move our hearts. I am confident that Pierre encountered similar sentiments, which is probably what kept bringing him back to the mountains. His heart was such that he sought action to help the poor. He sought to change the hard hearts of those who could help but didn't. Well, to that end, he helped start a newspaper called Memento, uh, which was kind of governed by the principles based on an encyclical titled Rerum Novorum, which was written by Pope Leo XIII. Now, I particularly love this because I had to do a presentation in high school on Rerum Novorum. That was many winters ago. The gist of the encyclical is that the working class is the foundation of our society. Everything great that we have is built on the backs of laborers, those who do the producing. And therefore, it is the responsibility of employers and governing officials to ensure that this class of people are provided for, that they would be provided livable wages, livable meaning that a working man could provide for uh, his family. I, I would highly recommend the encyclical, though it is admittedly a tough read. I think it's, I think it's only like 50 or so pages. It was, a, it was a while ago since I read it. <laughs> Getting back on track. Pierre Giorgio Frassati was tireless in his desire to live the light of Christ for all those he interacted with. It's almost as though he knew his time on earth was limited and fought with all of the gumption he could muster to share his joy with everyone. Yes, on June 30th of 1925, our Pierre began to experience sharp pains and a severe headache. Uh, well, a few days later, on July 2nd, he was diagnosed with polio, which seemed especially aggressive, as it was clear from the rapid onset of paralysis that uh, he wouldn't survive much longer. Even so, Pierre's thoughts were with the poor, he gave instructions to his friends and family regarding particular people he had been tending to, you know, bringing medicine and food and such. And so it was on July 4th, 1925, at 24 years old, Pierre Giorgio Frassati died. His saintly cause was opened in 1932, and on May 20th of 1990, he was beatified by Pope St. John Paul II. And there you go. There you have 
the beautifully simple story of blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Now, the man whom St. John Paul II called the man of the eight Beatitudes most certainly displayed immense virtue throughout his short life. Without question, Pierre showed immense charity, and I love that this is the case, since I noted the same with St. Damien last episode. Well, this has caused me to really look and consider the uniqueness of their charitable acts. What faculties did God work on to inspire Pierre toward charity that was different from Damien? I'd encourage you to go back and check out the episode on St. Damien of Molokai, as I'm bringing him up briefly for contrast. But I believe that while the difference is incredibly nuanced, as both men served ultimately to bring Christ to others, I believe that Damien's sight was such that he saw himself as those he served. Pierre, on the other hand, saw that those he served were like him, or could be like him. Not monetarily, not in a worldly sense, but spiritually. And that's the nuanced part of it. <laughs> Damien's mission sent him out to those in need, while Pierre's mission drew those in need toward himself. Okay, now bear with me. Because that's just the upper level, like, super simplified thought. Obviously, with any mission, you are going out. But the, the, uh, to the degree in which you go out, obviously varies. Hence the nuance. <laughs> okay, so here's kind of what I mean regarding Pierre. He was notorious for engaging with the poor he encountered. He didn't necessarily seek them out, but he never turned away from them. At a young age, he seemed to have an incredible understanding that he was extraordinarily blessed in life. He came from an affluent family, and a powerful one, an influential one and could enjoy the nicer things. He also never truly considered these things his own, and would share with whomever he could, giving the very clothes off of his back to someone who needed them more. He went through life bringing those he encountered into the joy he experienced. That's kind of what I mean when I, when I say and believe that he drew people into himself. He... Uh, emulated Christ very much in that way. Well, I mean, so in, in, in one of his letters, he even speaks on charity, saying that we exercise this virtue by going among those who suffer and comforting them, among the unfortunate, and saying a comforting word to them, because the Catholic religion is based on charity, which is nothing other than the most perfect love. End quote. At a glance, he was like any other joyful man. He enjoyed the company of his friends, and he had hobbies, such as mountain climbing. He sought to live the fullness of joy in his own life so that he could bring people into that joy, 
so that other people could participate in his experiences. The powerful thing about this isn't merely that he showed joy to people who may not get to experience it on a regular basis, but what he did through these acts of charity is that he communicated that they were his joy. So what I'm saying is that if he were to interact with you, in that moment, you were his joy. And this is what I mean when I say that, uh, again, why I, I think that he drew people to himself and into himself. And again, this is, it, it's in this way that he brought a sort of physicality and uh, a tangibility, I should say, to the joy that God experiences when we pray, when we spend time with him, when we take that time out of our day to even just say a thank you. Because if we imperfect humans can find joy in a moment, imagine then what that moment would be to God, who can stretch that moment to something beyond our own comprehension. A moment can echo through eternity. So yes, Pierre demonstrated to people that they mattered by sharing the blessings of his life with them. To an infinitesimal degree does our Lord then show us that same joy, no matter our hardships, no matter the crosses we all bear, Jesus experiences an indescribable and uh, a joy that we can't understand when we spend this time with him. And in turn, Christ draws us into himself so that we too may experience his joy. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati is incredible because he so wonderfully emulated this characteristic of our Lord. No matter the pain we may suffer, no matter how lost we may feel on this journey, Jesus will always be there with a smile, softly saying, It's okay now. I'm here. I'm here. So I thank God for the example of blessed Pierre, and sincerely pray for his canonization, that he may be celebrated across the universal church. May we all follow his example. I'd like to close out this episode with a prayer I found on a website dedicated to Frasati. FrasatiUSA.org <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, give me the courage to strive for the highest goals, to flee every temptation to be mediocre. Enable me to aspire to greatness, as Pierre Giorgio did, and to open my heart with joy to your call to holiness. Free me from the fear of failure. I want to be, Lord, firmly and forever united to you. Grant me the graces I ask you through Pierre Giorgio's intercession. By the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That does it for this episode. Find joy in the faith, 
and one day someone might just tell your story. See you next time. Outro time. Are you a young adult? Are you... Oh, gosh. Are you a young adult Catholic? I'm thinking I'll take a skip on north for a visit to a friend who really helped us unite our sorrow to heaven. See ya.